athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row i am your host donald ware happy fourth of july weekend and typically fourth of july typically means nba free agency and this has been one of the more the the crazier nba free agency what a frenzy that we've seen in recent years. I mean, I'm going to get to the Kawhi Leonard situation momentarily, but I mean, obviously the big, tr- the the other big deal I should say is Kevin Durant, Katie going to Brooklyn along with Kyrie Irving, and that is huge for the Brooklyn Nets, a playoff team on last year, and really one of those teams that really put its hard hat on each and every week didn't necessarily have a superstar player uh, I, I realized D'Angelo Russell emerged as a star but didn't have a superstar player of course ultimately now D'Angelo Russell um, is 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 gone and by the way uh, <laughs> with Golden State which is so crazy so I mean there's really so much to get to in all of the various scenarios with respect to NBA free agency, which isn't over, by the way. I'm going to have some thoughts on NBA free agency. Talk about maybe some of the smaller moves, maybe some of the non-moves, um, maybe especially with respect to, um, you know, the Charlotte Hornets and, and Kimball Walker. New Orleans gets even better. Wow, New Orleans is going to make some noise. I already thought New Orleans was going to make some noise, but you add J.J. Redick now to the mix with respect to New Orleans. Um, you know, how about Portland? I mean, Portland, I think, gets better. Um, the Bucks, boy, they, uh, you know, they they lose out on a, lose a big player that should have been an integral part, although I think, um, with respect to the Bucks, they they played a lot without that player. We'll talk more about that. I mean, there are just so many different things that are going on still with NBA free agency. So I'm going to talk a lot about that today here on the program. Also joining us to talk free agency, Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, uh, not only which of course is the Memphis Grizzlies website, not only covers the Memphis Grizzlies but covers. The NBA as a whole has been on top of each and everything was at the NBA finals um, is going to be as a matter of fact is in uh, is also uh, uh, you talk about the um, the rookie camps, um, uh, the, the, the rookie league that's going on with respect to the NBA. He's involved in that on top of the NBA. He's been doing it for many, many years. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, also going to join us today. 
here on the program. We're going to talk a lot of NBA free agency. I also want to talk about another something that's going on in the state of North Carolina, but um, could have affected may already have uh, an effect on uh, on some of the colleges. We, we do have some of the colleges that sell alcohol at their respective games. A lot of the colleges that do sell at, at their sporting events, I should say more specifically football and basketball games. A lot of the unit colleges and universities that do so, it's more of a discreet thing. So in other words, they may have uh, various suites where alcohol is sold and not necessarily to the general public. Well, the General Assembly in North Carolina passed legislation that states that the colleges and there are 16 um, universities in the North Carolina or the University of North Carolina system are now allowed to sell alcohol to the general public. I, you know, I, I want to know, does that uh, where you are, do, does your respective university currently sell alcohol? I know that in uh, from a big school standpoint, NC State Carolina are on board with doing it already had been on board with doing that. Um, you know, is A&T on board with it? Uh, North Carolina Central, I reached out to when this legislation was set to come down a couple of weeks ago. I reached out to North Carolina Central to see how they were going to handle it. They were having some et- internal talks. Um, you know, what happens at A&T Central, Winston-Salem State, all of the schools that are in the UNC system. And then also, what about the schools and, and, and more specifically the smaller schools? Because it's a revenue generator. You know, you, you have to weigh the pros and cons. To me, it's a it's a situation where it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Now, you can go out and sell the alcohol. Obviously, you have to be 21 to drink. You can go out and sell the alcohol um, to those that are 21 and up. And a lot of times you have college students that are 21 and up may not be as responsible as others. So now are you inviting um, some kind of trouble uh, possible, you know, driving under the influence situations after games. I know that my thing is at tailgate. I mean, you there's access to alcohol even at tailgate situations. But now that it's it's open, um, is that a is it a is it a good thing, you know, from a revenue generation standpoint? So now respective universities can generate more revenue from the sale of alcohol. But then you have some consequences that go with that. Uh, you know, you have younger people, let's say 21 and over that may not be as responsible in terms of buying said alcohol. You know, I'm always for making your money. I'm definitely all for that. But there there's definitely a price that comes with that, particularly in this situation. So going to talk more um, about that. And I want to know, you know, I, I'm going to talk about what other schools are doing as well. Public schools, because generally with respect to private schools, they can do it or not. They're not necessarily hamstrung uh, under a university system per se. I mean, here in the state of North Carolina, Wake Forest is 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 a school that's been to Duke doesn't do it in mass. And I can understand. I mean, I've seen some things at Duke, especially prior to basketball games, Shashevskyville and all of that, that I can understand why they don't. Wake Forest does. So as a private institution, some schools do, some schools don't. But when you're under a university system, you there are rules that universities have to abide by. So I want to 
break all of that also down today here on the program. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Always want you to participate. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. While you're there, follow us also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to those listening to us on all of our great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Uh, For instance, WKRA, The Change, 92.7 FM out of Holly Springs, Mississippi, also covers the Memphis, um, Tennessee area as well. Just great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. That's just one. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142. And those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Obviously, I mean, you have Kevin Durant. It's a big deal going to Brooklyn. You know, I I don't want to, you know, listen, I, I get it. Knicks fans are upset. I, I, I understand all of that. The world, I'm sorry, but the world doesn't revolve around the, the NBA and the NBA doesn't revolve around the Knicks. I could care less about the Knicks um, as a whole Knicks fans. That's cool. But it seems like the narrative uh, all week has been, or really the last month, what are the Knicks going to do? You go back to them trading Porzingis because they wanted to clear cap space so they could make a run at Kevin Durant and some of these Kawhi Leonard and some of these other free agents. They essentially got nothing, okay? But that's too bad. Let's talk about the teams that did, in fact, get something. The Brooklyn Nets get Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I think, you know, Kevin Durant's not going to play next year. Uh, Brooklyn's going to be a playoff team with Kyrie and the pieces that are still there. It's still going to be a playoff team. They're going to look to make a run uh, 2020-2021 in terms of an NBA Finals. That is huge. I think the the overall, uh, you know, that that's just a great move for Brooklyn moving forward. Look at some of the other moves that were made. I mean, l- let's look at, you know, one of the moves that is an interesting move all of the way around and I can understand it from a number of different sides. And I think I've talked about this um, on the program here the last couple of weeks. And I even put it in writing talking about uh, a couple of months ago when I did the piece about North Carolina pro sports and how um, it was in a good place, especially with what the Carolina Hurricanes were doing at the time. So Kimball Walker uh, walks away <laughs> No pun intended. I mean, it, it was it doesn't walk away. It was sort of a sign and trade uh, situation with the Boston Celtics, whereas the Celtics get Kimball Walker in return for the sign and trade. The uh, Charlotte Hornets get Terry Rozier. They sign him to a three year, fifty eight million dollar contract. For uh, Kimball Walker, he signs the four year, one hundred and forty one million dollar contract. It's a catch-22 situation for the Hornets because, you know, Kimball Walker, I think he's made the all-star team three, at least two times, maybe three. Special player, eight years, did everything he could in Charlotte. Not a lot more that he could do. The Hornets simply did not surround him with uh, with the, the requisite players. At the end of the day, however, Kimball Walker's not necessarily a max 
player. But I think that Charlotte lowballed him from the jump, which allowed him to walk, you know, to get Terry Rozier back. I mean, you know, that that's not great compensation, but it's better than the alternative, which meant Kimba Walker would have ultimately walked. Does this make Boston that much better? I've got some questions about that. I got to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more NBA free agency as from the press box to press row rolls on. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeard, the neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. City Media joining us on the program. has been super city, uh, busy. As a matter of fact, out in Salt Lake City. What's going on, Mike? Hey, man. Just, just uh, it, it seems like everything's going on from from free agencies to major trades to you know seeing some of these young guys getting going in, in, in the Salt Lake City Summer League and the you know the California Classic Summer League as well. All of it's leading into next week's uh, kickoff of the Las Vegas Summer League, where all the teams plus a couple international teams will be. Uh, in Las Vegas, so it's nonstop grinding, man. It's the only way I know. <laughs> yeah, no question. Grind City Media in full effect. So, I mean, I mean, like, I don't even know where, really where to begin. I mean, I think, I mean, we we can talk about the KD Kyrie situation. That's almost old, really. 
you know, sort of at this point and all of the different moves that have been made. Some teams have made some really good moves. But I want to get your thoughts. You've covered the league for so many years. Um, You know, KD and Kyrie going to the Nets. What do you make of that? You know what? It's it's I'm I'm stumped a little bit because I I know why Brooklyn did it, and and, and I know why, and all of these deals become official, you know, uh, on July 6th. And and it's one of those deals where it's a situation where you almost don't believe it, won't believe it until you actually see these guys in some of these different uniforms because there's been so much, you know, transition and so much movement. Um, I I really don't see why Kevin Durant did it. It's it's just – Look, man, that's just a mercurial guy when it comes to his personality. I think he's, you know, Brooklyn needs to win the relevance battle. You know what I mean? They've proven that, okay, yes, right now they're more relevant than than the New York Knicks. They made the splashier moves. They beat up their big brother, the New York Knicks, sort of like when the Clippers had the upper hand on the Lakers the last few years. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you spend $160 million on one guy, $150 million on another, you're not going to get Kevin Durant next year. You saw Kyrie Irving make the Boston Celtics a little bit worse uh, than they were the year before. You're spending a lot of money to still not be as good as Toronto if Kawhi comes back, Milwaukee, or Philadelphia. So it's one of those situations where Brooklyn is doing a whole lot to be the fourth seed in the East. And I don't know if that team is ever going to win a championship, man, with those two guys. I hope I'm wrong for Kevin Durant's sake, but it just doesn't seem like a move that's going to result in championship-type uh uh, ramifications. I just can't see it right now at this stage coming off of that injury the way he had, he will be. Yeah. So not okay. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So even with some of the pieces, obviously D'Angelo Russell's out of there. We'll talk more about that. But even with some of the, because be honest with you, I didn't really see a lot of. I mean, I I I didn't see a lot of Brooklyn this year. I mean, obviously they, to your point, they made the six seed. They did some things right. They get two superstar uh, type of players. But I mean, how do you think some of those pieces? I mean. What's Brooklyn looking like? I want to know your thoughts on what Brooklyn looks like 2020, 2021 with some of those pieces to go around Katie and Kyrie. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why they were so successful was because of D'Angelo Russell. I mean, you know, he was an all-star for those guys. And, you know, you remove him from the equation, you replace him with Kyrie Irving, who's a perennial all-star. Um, so, I mean, you got to figure that, that at the very least is a wash, but at the best, obviously, Kyrie's a better player than D'Angelo Russell. Um, I just don't know, you know, again, what kind of player is Kevin Durant going to be when he comes back? Um, you know, he, he, he's an all-NBA elite top three player in the league right now before the injury. If he's an all-star level player when he comes back, then Brooklyn should be okay. They'll, they'll be able to compete in the East. But um, it's, it's asking a lot for that to, to put that team over the top. Um, you know, so, so when you still have some, you know, Jared Allen is, is one of the young best defensive centers in the league already. I mean, he's only been in the league, you know, a very, very short time. You know, you got, you know, a lot of guys that – Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is a guy that's been there that's Karis LeVert. You know, some of those guys have, uh, have, have developed and played really well for Kenny Atkinson uh, this past season. They made the jump and probably was the most improved team in the league uh, making the NBA playoffs. So, you know, good for Brooklyn. I, I just think, you know, what they, what they were building organically, now they're adding to it by trying to fast-track it, and I'm just not sure uh, that, that it's going to be enough. I mean, again, this is Kevin Durant going to be 32 years old. Uh, this is Kyrie Irving um, really never showing outside of playing with LeBron that he can be truly a winning basketball player uh, to carry a team. 
so we'll see. There's a lot of questions I have about that Brooklyn team. Um, and, 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 again, I understand why they did it. I'm still skeptical, though. I'll be skeptical until I see it. Yeah. You know, we, we mentioned D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I, I, I don't – you know, when it was mentioned that he was, he was going to be um, dealt – to uh to the Warriors my initial reaction was that because we had heard the Lakers the whole time so my initial reaction was okay they're getting Russell to take him away from the Lakers obviously he's a good player but he he doesn't really seem to fit the mold of what Golden State does even uh, uh, KD aside so your your thoughts on the whole D'Angelo Russell situation and then I mean the talk now is that he ultimately uh, could be traded by the trading deadline next year um, I mean that's a lot that you're going to spend to get a guy like that to flip him you know what I'm saying you invested basically what what his level of, of close to a max contract is um, via sign and trade uh, to bring him in and then just to turn him back over to something else I mean that that's that's difficult for me to see I, I guess it's it's a little bit of Clay Thompson insurance until Clay recovers from his ACL injury, um, and then when you get to February, if it's not working, then you move on from it. But I do think also that he gives them a young attacking point guard uh, who can take some of the scoring load off of Steph Curry in the initial stages of the season. Because you got to remember, you know, Clay is going to be out for a while. Um, this is a team that's probably going to move on from you know Demarcus Cousins as well. They don't have a lot of natural scores. I mean, Draymond Green isn't a natural scorer. So, you know, Steph is going to need another guy that can sort of either move him off the ball a little bit uh, or play alongside him uh, to generate some points. You know, they've also, uh, you know, lost Andre Iguodala. I mean, they go to state is trying to rebuild on the fly by still maintaining relevance until they can buy time for some of these guys to get healthy. Um, but that's going to be an interesting mix. I do think D'Angelo Russell uh, has a lot to prove, and I think he's going to play well there. I think he's going to buy into the system. And Steve Kerr is going to work miracles with him from a psychological standpoint because he's going to finally have a coach in a situation that believes in him. Even when he was in L.A., they really didn't believe in him. His maturity level wasn't there. He got to Brooklyn, became an all-star, and they didn't really want to sign him and keep him. They, they, they you know, lusted after Kyrie Irving, so he really wasn't wanted there. And now he's going to go to Golden State where he has a chance to, uh, to really win and be around a culture that's all about championships. And hopefully that rubs off on a young guy because he has a bright future ahead of him. Uh, with some good guys around him if he has a chance to take advantage of it. Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here. I'm from the Press Box to Press Rose. We talk NBA free agencies, covered the league for many, many years, knows the league up and down. So Iguodala, man, he's, he's I mean, once everything is signed, he'll be in, in Memphis. So what happens from that once he is a Memphis Grizzly? What then happens at that point? I mean, I think some discussions have to be had once that once that deal becomes finalized. Um, it's a situation where the Grizzlies won uh, uh, the trade simply by having budget. I mean, they had the, the amount of money to absorb Iguodala's contract, but they also picked up, you know, what could be a potential lottery pick if Golden State, you know, slips in a few years. Um, eventually, you know, that team is going to wear out and, and get old and going to have to hit the reset button. So they were that desperate to get uh, underneath. Uh, a very, very punitive luxury tax situation. So they had to unload contracts on teams that had salary cap space or trade exceptions. And the Grizzlies were one of those teams. So just for, for, for being able to balance their books and handle their books the right way, uh, the Grizzlies were able to pick up a first-round pick, a future first-round pick, uh, and also maintain uh, the possibility of bringing Iguodala in. He's a finals MVP. Obviously, he's on the last legs of his career. He talked about retiring uh, after this season. 
Um, that could still be something that he may, you know, may want to do. Um, you know, the Grizzlies are certainly in a rebuild mode right now. And, you know, Iguodala is on an expiring contract. So this isn't a long-term uh, marriage by any stretch. If anything, he could just be passing through uh, and, and be flipped for another asset if the Grizzlies uh, want to deal him to a contender that's ready to w- win right now if Andre still wants to play. So there's some there's a lot of options in play right now. Um, but but the Grizzlies also have a need at small forward, too. So, you know, Kyle Anderson is coming off a shoulder surgery. Um, you know, Chandler Parsons uh, is, is not the player and going into that final year of his contract. Um, that wasn't a prudent signing at all. So they still have a hole right there at small forward that they need to find somebody to plug right now. And so if Andre is kept, then he can be a stopgap right there. If he's moved on for another asset, then the Grizzlies deserve credit for being able to flip him for not one, but but multiple uh, pieces that they can build towards the future with. What what has um, what sort of because you, you, I know we talked about this um, for a number of years with respect to the Grizzlies. Obviously, they trade Mike Connolly to the Jazz. Boy, the Jazz are really really good. But what are what are the Grizzlies doing at this point in terms of from a free agency perspective? I mean, I think right now they're they're trying to take a wait and see approach, let the market settle. Um, you know, they they've already secured an agreement uh, to bring back Jonas Valanciunas on a three year, forty five million dollar reported contract, um, which was right at you know the amount that I was expecting all along anyway um, in, in terms of what his value would be uh, for this team. Uh, they also have uh, a restricted free agent. Uh, in DeLon Wright right now, who's who's waiting to figure out uh, where he's going to sign an offer sheet with and whether the Grizzlies are going to match it and bring him back. So, you know, you sort of have your bookends right there, potentially in DeLon Wright and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. And then you have, you know, Ja, you know, ja Moran, obviously, is the, you know, rookie number two overall pick. Uh, you're going to turn the keys over to him from an offensive standpoint and run the show. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back. So, you know, at the power forward, all NBA first team rookie. So you know you have some intriguing, you know, you know, complementary pieces right there that can help this team sort of move through uh, this retooling, rebuilding stage. I don't think they're going to be rebuilding for long uh, because of the way they want to compete, and this is going to be a situation that's going to be intriguing. But you know, you look around the West, particularly, you know, look down in New Orleans. I mean, those guys have a lot of young players, but they want to build fast. You look at New York. You know, they they struck out on some of the big name free agents, but they loaded up on mid career veterans. Uh, who are professional-type players who have been places and have won. So, you know, to, to go around R.J. Barrett and, you know, uh, Kevin, Kevin Knox and, and Mitchell Robinson. So you're looking at, you know, teams that they're not just hitting the panic button and going into long-standing rebuilding. They're trying to rebuild on the fly, and the Grizzlies are one of those teams right along those guys that I just mentioned. Let's step aside, take a break. We're talking with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, talking NBA free agency more after this small pause for the cause. This is From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row talking NBA free agency. Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us on the program. Boy, Malcolm Brogdon comes to the Pacers. I mean, I, I you know, even when Victor Oladipo went down, this was a Pacers team. You know, I thought Nate McMillan did an absolutely outstanding job last year. You add a guy like Brogdon um, to that mix. Oladipo comes uh, is going to come to the or come back, I should say. Isn't this a team that uh, that a lot of folks are sleeping on in the East with the addition of now Brogdon to go along with all the other good players that they have? I mean, that's a solid, solid pickup. You know, for Nate McMillan and, and the Indiana Pacers right there, I mean, they had Darren Collison sort of suddenly retire on them. Uh, they struck out on a trade uh, trying to get Mike Conley to come there. That didn't work out for them. 
Um, and, and they still have Aaron Holiday, um, Justin Holiday's younger brother and Drew Holiday's younger brother uh, in the wings as the point guard sort of of the future. But Malcolm Brogdon is a guy that you can play at both, you know, both guard spots. I mean, he's big, six five. He's a big guy that can, you know, sort of do it in a Jason Kidd type way. when Jason Kidd was in his prime, so you're looking at a situation where you know that you know he he's alongside Victor Oladipo. If Oladipo can come back completely healthy. Uh, you still have Miles Turner there uh, to anchor you down in the post. You know, uh, a couple other assets. There. I mean, you lose some veterans. You lose, you know, Thaddeus Young. You lose uh, Bogdanovich in that situation, um, you know, for, if you're Indiana. But you still have some some promising upside there. And this was a team that was one of the surprising teams along with, um, you know, Brooklyn in the East that, that sort of made some noise. Just when you thought that they were going to fall out of the playoff race, uh, they held steady in the top four, top five situation there in the East. Um, they just ran out of gas and couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs. But, you know, I love what Nate McMillan is doing there. I love the stability that Indiana has and the way that they're trying to do things uh, internally and organically and doing it the right way. So I hope it all works out for them. They caught a couple bad breaks there, too, you know, um, with the injuries and obviously the news with uh, Tyreek Evans, who was expiring anyway, uh, being suspended or kicked out of the league because of a substance abuse issue. Um, so it's, it's been some hard knocks. Uh, for them, but they haven't buckled at all. They'll be back competing again uh, in the East next season for sure. Uh, another team that really did well in terms of free agency, uh, you know, pickup, trade, what have you mentioned. Uh, obviously, you mentioned uh, Bogdanovich goes to the Jazz. Uh, we already mentioned Mike Conley, the trade that happened a, a little while ago. Man, the Jazz are looking awful good now in the West. And, and they picked up Jeff Green. Um, they also picked up Jeff Green. They also, you know, were able to do some things in terms of um, uh, putting their system even further in place. This is a team that's trying to go win it all right now. And, and, and being in Salt Lake City uh, this week and, and, and seeing the energy that that, that that building already has, I mean, it's summer league. None of these guys or very few of these guys on their roster uh, in the summer league are going to even make their uh, regular season roster. But all of the players, I mean, Donovan Mitchell was in the building the other night. You know, Rudy Gobert was right there as well. I mean, you know, you you seeing you know the leadership of this team and 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 what Joe Ingles was there as well. So you're seeing these guys come together, and then you add Mike Conley. You know, you add Bogdanovich, you add a Jeff Green, you add some pieces that you know that, that you can pretty much plug and play. Uh, Utah is going to be in the top four in the West for sure. They've already pretty much been there. The question is, can they take the step to be a top two team and get to the Western Conference Finals? We know Golden State is going to be weakened. We know Houston seems to be coming apart at the seams, at least from a chemistry standpoint. So those are two teams that have been up there that are going to fall back a little bit. Um, you know, Portland is sort of in transition. I like some of what they're doing. Um, you know, they, they added Hassan Whiteside in the trade for Miami um, and really didn't give up much of anything for him in terms of guys that they truly, truly relied on. Um, so you, you're looking at some of those things as well. You know, Portland is going to be a team to be uh, reckoned with. Can Oklahoma City really bounce back and, and get back to where they are? Because I think their window is closing quickly, even though they just got Paul George. And then you know the Lakers are going to be on the come. So wh- wh- whatever uh, this turns out to be with Kawhi Leonard, wh- whatever team he makes feel like they hit the lottery, is going to be a situation where it's going to tip the balance of power, either back towards the east uh, in Toronto, uh, re- retooling and rebuilding, or going west. Uh, with one of the L.A. stops uh, really, really fast-tracking where they need to be next season. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us on the program. Check him out at grindcitymedia.com. Also, follow him on Twitter, at MyMikeCheck. 
you know, the Kimball Walker situation, like I get it. He was sort of hamstrung a little bit because you don't really want to, And I think we've talked, I've had, we've had you talk about this. You know, you don't necessarily want to pay him uh, the max, go over the luxury uh, 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 threshold there. They're not going to, you know, they're barely maybe a playoff team. But what do you make of the situation with, with Kimba, the sign and trade, him going to Boston, and then the Hornets now getting Terry Rozier and then signing to him to, I think, what, three years in a $58 million deal? I mean, it's, 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 you know, that was all about, you know, budget. That was all about, you know, uh, finances and, and, you know, uh, finalizing, you know, your bottom line. Michael Jordan was smart. No owner wants to pay luxury taxes for a team that, that can't prove it can make a playoff consistently. Um, that says that there's some other issues larger than just Kimber Walker because Kimber Walker was an all-star. He was an ambassador. He did everything that, you know, you're supposed to do. And, and even though things didn't go well, it reminds me of how Orlando was with Dwight Howard. You know, when they were, when, when Dwight was on the come and, and, and all-star and he was an anchor, um, you know, Orlando built that team up around Dwight. They were able to get to, uh, NBA finals. They lost to the Lakers and Kobe Bryant, um, you know, in 2009, I believe it was. But it was one of those situations where, you know, you went all in, you spent the money you had to spend, and it resulted in something. But if you're, if you're the Charlotte Hornets and you're spending all this money on a, on a superstar um, and you can't really build up the roster around them, it just didn't make sense. And it's time to move on. And I think, you know, Jordan handled it well. I mean, he put the restatement out there. You know, it was just a transaction that, you know, basically Kimball Walker graduated from the situation in Charlotte. And he's going to a, a championship contender there. I think he's going to be better for Boston than Kyrie Irving was. You know, this Kyrie always had the uh, the, the the contract out, opt out and the free agency lo- uh, looming over uh, his trade when he went there. Kimber Walker's a guy that you know you're going to be locking up for four years. So he falls right along the line with um, you know the guys that they have there in Tatum and Brown. And you know you just got to see what they can do in terms of adding some more pieces there uh, to put themselves over the hump. And you know I like what they're going to be doing there. Charlotte is going to go right back to the back of the line right now. They could potentially and likely be the worst team in the league next season record-wise. I just don't see a lot that they have there, a lot that's going on in the right direction. It's unfortunate, um, you know, because, again, you want to see that franchise in a small market like that do well. Uh, but they're really going to struggle um, as they try to figure out how to how to get this thing turned around and, and see where it goes from here. I love Terry Rozier. He's going to be a bulldog. He's going to, you know, be a feisty player that you can – you know, uh, grind your way through and get some wins that you probably aren't supposed to win. Yeah, yeah. So New Orleans, I mean, like they get J.J. Redick. I personally like what New Orleans is doing. You know, Zion Williamson, uh, you know, Drew Holiday, um, you know, all, all of the pieces that came along with the Lakers. Like how good could New Orleans be this year? They can be ready, man. They can be They can be what Brooklyn was last year in the West. Like what Brooklyn was in the East last year, New Orleans can be that in the West. Really, really young, but they, they augmented that youth with some, some, some solid veterans. JJ Reddick is going to help fast track that team. Um, you know, Lonzo Ball, if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, he's a guy that can play. Drew Holiday's still there. And, you know, JJ Reddick, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, you know, um, you, you still have Okafor there. You still have Ingram, you know, in terms of Ingram, if he could be healthy. Um, you, you, and, and you just like what they, what they're trying to do. You just love the way that, you know, that team, David Griffith can say, you know what, I got four years right now to build this thing up gradually. Let's do it slowly. But he wants to say, you know what, I'm, 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 used, I'm coming from Cleveland. I'm coming from a situation where I was in the finals um, with LeBron James and the roster that I was able to make moves around. And he's doing the same thing in New Orleans. So who's to say that this team has to rebuild? They're ready to jump up right now. So they, 
they have a chance to, uh, to, to, to pick up some steam and jump ahead of some teams and try to be right there in that mix for one of the seven for eight playoff spots in the West. And it would not surprise me at all if they catch somebody and get it. A couple of more thoughts with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, talking NBA free agency. Excuse me, Mike, but what in the world is Washington doing? <laughs> hey, you know what I just said, that Charlotte could be the worst team in the league next season. Uh, let me go further up uh, I-85, <laughs> I-95 a little bit, because uh, it could certainly be Washington, and it's right there in that corridor, you know what I mean? So it's one of those situations where they're division uh, rivals and neighbors in terms of the proximity uh, between, you know, they're, they're, they're close together when it comes to that. I, you know, it, it's this is what happens when you're trying to buy time knowing that John Wall, hey, you cannot unload that contract, and you're not quite ready to unload Bradley Beal yet. So this is a team that's pretty much stuck in neutral, and they still have to fill a roster. They still have to go out there and, and try to sell a fan base that they're going to be able to do something. I just don't know what it is. I do like the draft pick they got, the, uh, the kid from Japan that was uh, from, from Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he's going to be a dynamic Giannis Antetokounmpo-type a uh, physical player. I don't know if he can get there in terms of skill set and, and, and sheer drive. We'll see. Um, but but he's certainly somebody that they can uh, they can make some moves around. I know they they a few years ago they drafted another unicorn type player in Jan Vesely, um from from Europe and it never really worked out. So this is a different kind of guy here um, that they have coming in. But again, this is going to be a long road uh, back to relevance for Washington because they're going to be waiting on John Wall for a while. And you talk about Kevin Durant having um, question marks about whether he can come back from that injury. The way John Wall plays, it's going to be uh, – I will be shocked if he's able to restore his uh, his ability too. So Washington is in trouble right now. Um, they're going to have to really put the whole reset button. You can't halfway push the reset button. Either you're going all in or you're not. And it's going to be painful, but I think eventually they're going to have to really consider um, a, a hard decision, and that is – you know, unloading Bradley Beal on someone and trying to get like an Anthony Davis type haul back for him, uh, if at all possible. What are some of the sort of maybe under, you know, I mean, you know, we, we didn't really talk about Al Horford and him going to the 76ers and the 76ers are going to, you know, I mean, that's, you know, they're, they're going to be really good. But what are maybe some of the under the radar moves that have happened with certain teams that are definitely going to upgrade them or at least put them in contention to make a playoff run? I mean, it's, you know, when you, when you look around and, and, and scour the league, I mean, I think you have, you know, a couple of teams that, that have really, you know, been quiet about what they're doing. I think what Orlando has done has been smart. You know, th- there was some question whether they were going to bring back, you know, those guys, Vooch and, and, you know, Terrence Ross and some of the guys that they had uh, with them. I think they were smart by bringing them back and trying to, you know, continue to build and, and, and understand that they weren't that far off. I mean, they were an eighth seed in the East. Um, and, they, and they can get even better than that. You know, you look at uh, uh, Detroit and what Detroit is doing, you know, that's a team that is really, really fighting for relevance, and I say relevance a lot, but, I mean, that's a team that's, you know, I, I remember not too long ago, this was a team that made the West Eastern Conference Finals five straight years with that team that won that championship with uh, Chauncey Billups and Tayshaun Prince and, and Rasheed Wallace and all those guys, and it, they've really fallen off the map since then. So, you know, when you look at what what Detroit is trying to do, I mean, I know they also just added uh, Derrick Rose uh, uh, to help in that backup point guard position. Um, if they can get Blake Griffin to come back healthy, um, you know, what they've done in terms of the trade with Milwaukee to bring in Tony Snell, uh, they could be a sneaky good team um, that can be long, athletic, and defensive-oriented uh, and get up and down, too, if, uh, you know, if they can stay healthy. 
Um, so that's a team that could be sneaky. I think Orlando could be a sneaky good team in terms of what they're doing. And then when you look out west, you know, um, Sacramento is a team that's always been sort of on the come, um, you know, with the young talent that they have. Locking up Harrison Barnes and getting him to come back is going to be, you know, a, a unique situation. And then Dallas is another team I'm, I'm going to mention because we really have to see if Porzingis can truly be uh, that perennial all-star type talent. If he can, you look at him and Luka Doncic and a couple of more moves that they need to make free agency-wise, that's going to be special. But to go back to your original question, Al Horford coming down, you know, coming uh, again, that I-95 corridor there, you know, making a short trip back down to Philadelphia to play alongside Joel Embiid. Um, that's going to fortify their front court. He's going to give them a professional. They lost Jimmy Butler. Miami is going to gain a guy that's going to make them uh, a tough out too. But, you know, Jimmy Butler just doesn't have a whole lot around him. I don't think that's going to, you know, I don't think he's in a better situation than he was in Philly. No one does it better. Follow him on Twitter at my Mike check. Also check him out online at grindcitymedia.com. He is Mike Wallace. He is the senior editor of Grind City Media. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Mike, as always, great insight, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy that summer league. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, dude. Appreciate it, Mike. We've got more on the other side. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day, you know, uh... We've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, and I was really um, ready and serious and just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware, from the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. In the last segment, we were joined by Mike Wallace, senior editor of Rhyme City Media. As he broke down, I mean, he did a thorough job in terms of breaking down NBA free agency. Mike's been covering the NBA for maybe 15 years or so. Of course, he had a he had that whole run when LeBron James 
was in Miami when he covered the Miami Heat for ESPN.com and now doing it for the Memphis Grizzlies, but continues to cover the league as a whole and knows a whole lot. So we appreciate the insight uh, from Mike Wallace, who, of course, is a Grambling State University graduate. I want to get back to alcohol sales at college stadiums. And, you know, I'm one that is all about revenue generation for colleges, particularly HBCUs. I think that HBCUs um, have obviously small budgets compared and, and a lot of times comparatively comparatively speaking to non HBCUs, particularly at the um, FCS level, let's just say football uh, FCS level, if you will. So I'm all for, you know, trying to make a buck any way, not any way that you can, but if it, you know, if it makes sense. And I was reading an interesting article. As a matter of fact, it was in, it was on Forbes.com from back in December of 2018. It was by Michael T. Nitzel, who was a former uh, university president. As a matter of fact, he's the uh, president emeritus at Missouri State. And I was just reading not necessarily his thoughts, um, but I was reading some of the factual information based upon some of the studies that um, that were put out there. So um, it looks like about from an FBS level, it looks like there are about 50 schools um, on the FBS level that sell alcohol at respective uh, mostly football and then basketball games as well. There are about 50 schools that do that. He also mentioned in the article that, for instance, Ohio State made $1.2 million off of uh, alcohol sales, $1.2 million. But that's more the, uh, the exception than it is the rule because, I mean, as he as he appropriately mentioned in the article, you have to split some of the revenues with the vendor and so on and so forth. So the bottom line is, is it worth it? I mean, if you know, how much revenue are you going to be able to generate to make it worth all of the, you know, potential bad things that could come um, about it? I mean, I think one of the, points that he definitely made in the article from more of a student standpoint. And I mentioned this in the open because, I mean, you have a situation where you don't want um, underage drinking. There are college students that uh, are not, are are obviously of age that can drink. But he made I mean, he made a very interesting point in terms of some of the things that uh, that happen with college students when they drink. So one of the statistics that he gives in the article says more than a third of college students report they engaged in binge drinking in the prior month. Now, I mean, to me, uh, and, and we'll, we'll accept that, uh, we'll ex- let's just say we accept that stat. I mean, that, you know, if you're binge drinking, like that's not taken you know, you got to figure that that's not necessarily taking place at an athletic event. So it doesn't really affect it from an athletic event standpoint. Also goes on to say about 20 percent of college students meet the diagnostic criteria for alcohol use disorder. A quarter of college students report adverse academic consequences as a result of drinking. 
alcohol is a factor in almost 700,000 sexual assaults involving students each year. That's huge. And then lastly, more than 1,800 college students die annually from alcohol related injuries. That's huge as well. So, you know, the question becomes, does do those numbers increase because uh, if there is alcohol sales at athletic events? And again, the whole premise, if you weren't if you hadn't, you know, if you're just joining us or weren't with us at the beginning of the show, the whole premise of this conversation is because the North Carolina legislature passed a bill um, that says that um, schools in the state of North Carolina, uh, public schools or, or schools that are part of the UNC system can now sell alcohol. You know, I mentioned the fact that no, that North Carolina state was on board um, UNC Chapel Hill um, on board with that. You know, I, 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 I and now I'm wondering from an HBCU standpoint, North Carolina A&T, North Carolina Central, is that something that those schools are going to adopt? Even the smaller schools, Elizabeth City State, Fayetteville State, Winston-Salem State, um, the list sort of goes on and on. You know, you got to really ask yourself. I, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's all about the money, right? Like how much revenue generation are you going to get from the sale of alcohol? And then not only... Is there an opportunity for the sale of alcohol? But then at that point, there's got to be a an opportunity for uh, signage, for um, advertisements, uh, or at least uh, logo displays on video scoreboards. There's got to be some opportunities there. So let's say, I mean, I'm, I don't want to name any uh, particular beer uh, company brand or what have you, but let's just say uh, beer brand A sells um, sells its alcohol. Um, at a certain venue, uh, then as part of that, I would I would imagine that there would uh, then therefore come be, uh, some advertising dollars would be made available to said institution in addition to the sales from the alcohol. So there's that aspect of it as well. Um, you know, I sort of did a, a little bit of a poll from some of the schools in the SWAC. My understanding and, you know, I may be wrong about this, but my understanding is that. You know, a venue like Texas uh, that Texas Southern pr- plays in, uh, particularly for football, um, allows for that because they share the stadium with the MLS soccer team that's there. So um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that even on Texas Southern game days, that alcohol sales um, are allowed. I didn't get a full poll um, of the schools in the SWAC that do it, but. You know, my question, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, is it worth it? Like, is it, you know, is it worth exploring if your school doesn't already do it? The the sale of alcohol at venues. Me personally, I don't I'm, I don't like I don't really drink. So I don't you know, you know I mean, my whole thing behind this is will it you know, how will it adversely impact a university, the brand comes before athletics. So how would it adversely affect a university? And then how much can be made? What, what's the what sort of the revenue look like uh, behind doing something like this? Want to get your thoughts on this? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. 
And that's almost about all the time we have today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I want to remind you about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. This week we took a look at Virginia Union, Virginia State, Lincoln, Tennessee State, uh, and Allen as well. Log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com. You can download the podcast or listen to the podcast and uh, pretty much we've had all the head football coaches of the respective schools to this point as we get you set for the start of the HBCU football season. We are what uh, now beginning of July or so, so we're less than 60 days away from the start of the HBCU football season. So things are rocking and rolling with the HBCU football daily podcast. Thank you to Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us today on the program. Tell five friends about From the Press Box to Press Row. And, of course, you can listen right here on the radio station that you're listening to each and every week, same time, same radio station. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.